Hey guys, this is Doyce. I'm doing a little bit of a bonus podcast. This isn't going to be one of our actual play things, but it is something where I wanted to talk about masks a little bit and talk a little bit about uh, some stuff that occurred to me. I've been going through and listening and producing the audio for, I think we're on session 11 or something like that, uh, with what I'm messing with, and realized that I wanted to loop back and talk a little bit about something that should follow right after character generation or character generation episodes. And that's specifically picking playbooks and what that means, what it doesn't mean, and the ways you can really get hung up on stuff when you're doing your playbook selection and stuff in ways that just really don't matter. So I want to talk about that real quick. So here's the deal. Uh, when we set up our characters, we had a kind of a classic mix in, in some cases, some stuff that you could very easily identify. So we had Harry. Uh, Mercury, classic speedster. Uh, when Catherine made up, that's a great character, and he's a ton of fun. And he isn't any kind of surprise. Uh, he's not doing anything weird with the playbooks. He's doing exactly what the playbook intends, which is great, which is fine. You're going to get lots of people who are going to look at this and go, oh, well, I, I can see from this playbook exactly how to play X. And I've always wanted to play X, so I'm going to play X. And that's going to be exactly where you want that thing to go. And then you're going to have somebody who's maybe like Jason. Jason's playing a doomed character, but he's not playing a Raven doomed character. He's not necessarily playing something like, uh, you know, one of those sort of what the art in the book leans toward. But they're still basically a doomed character they're a doomed character in the same way that Vale from avengers academy is a doomed character in that use of their powers is killing them but in a more sciencey way um, he's losing himself to the cloud which has got echoes and stuff like that that you kind of appreciate looking at today you've got somebody like uh concord who can do it with a nova or anything like that and that was how we started uh we started out with him being a nova and realized that that wasn't really actually where we wanted it to be it wasn't really emphasizing the stuff that we thought was really interesting about him so we switched him to a janus which totally works now i want you to understand something though when you're looking at the janus and i'm gonna have to kind of dig around here and look at the playbooks because i didn't of course prep for this little bit of a talk but if you look at a janus this is not a character that you look at and go oh, that's totally a green lantern but because the powers listed there aren't a janus powers and, and if you're me because i'm an idiot you're going to get really hung up on that. Um, you look at the Janus, it's rodent and insect control, bone generation, venom, energy absorption, supernatural senses, impossible mobility, substance mimicry. Don't get <laughs> too hung up on that. Now, in that case, it was one of those situations where I felt like he was just sort of switching playbooks. Now, he hadn't switched playbooks, but we just redid him as a switch. And that's fine. We just kept him with the powers that he had and moved him in the Janus. I didn't really worry about it. The thing that made me worry about this kind of stuff, when you look at the actual mass book, there's a section on page 42 where Brendan uh, talks about, you may notice that not every possible power is represented. What if I want to play a particular kind of power with a certain kind of playbook? And he says, here's the thing. I guarantee that the abilities listed for each playbook will work well in play. They're going to give you the kind of springboard that you need to make interesting characters while still giving you an idea of what your character can do and ultimately playing into the particular issues and themes of each playbook. Now his assertion here is that the powers that he picked for each playbook are powers that don't get in the way of the story that that playbook is geared to tell. And that's fine. 
if you're playing a bull, you don't probably want somebody who's got a super versatile power set. Um, if you take somebody who's basically a Green Lantern and give him a bull playbook, he could end up feeling a lot like a Nova, and that's fine. Um, so you don't do him as a bull. I understand that you want the bull because they're so straight, they're so hyper focused on their love and hyper focused on their rival. You want simple, straightforward power sets. So they don't even really have a power list for the bull. It's like they're super strong, they're super tough, and they're good at fighting. That's it. Boom. Done. You can add stuff to that, though. And the reason I thought of this was because of Session 11, where we came up with this new NPC in Harry's school named A10, who's strong, and she's a flyer. And that's it. She's a flying brick. And I was like, man, I want to play A10 sometime. If I ever get to a chance to play Masks, I want to play A10. Or, you know, 14 other people that I love. But... I, it occurred to me, and that's what made me do this recording, I might run into a GM who looks at the playbooks and goes, well, uh, bull doesn't say you can fly, so I don't know if you should play a bull. Dude, take a step back and realize that that's not really a genre-breaking thing. There's lots of bulls that can fly. And it, just because you can fly doesn't make you versatile. It still makes you solving problems in a very straightforward way. Cannonball from the old New Mutants from back in the 90s works really, really well as a bull. And that's basically what his deal is. He flies and he's kind of basically invulnerable. And that's sort of his deal. In fact, he, when he first starts out, he's so straightforward, he can't even turn. And that's great. Uh, A10 to me, if I'm the GM, of course, I'm looking at it and saying she's the perfect bull. I could do her as a legacy. She's called A10 because the previous person who had the powers in her family was Thunderbolt. And she just didn't want to do just that. So she did an A10 and sort of a spinoff of that. And I could do it as a legacy. It'd be fine. But she's a bull. Her deal is her rivals and her, and her loves. And that's the story. So focus on what the playbook is meant to do. Now, you look at Brendan's notes in here. I think this is hilarious, really. He makes some notes on page 42. If you don't want to pick one of the listed abilities for a playbook, or you'd rather pick something else that you've come up with, you can do that. I can't guarantee other abilities will work well. Some abilities might even outright contradict the point of some of the playbooks. And he says to the thing about the bull, playing a beacon, I, this, this line cracks me up. Playing a beacon with real, useful, genuine superpowers totally undermines the point of that playbook. Great. <laughs> Except, Brendan ran a game for the folks who do the podcast Whelmed, which is a Young Justice podcast, and he did a game of masks for that group, in which they played members of the Young Justice squad somewhere between the first season and second season. One of the people was playing Kid Flash, and I listened to the game before I saw any of the playbooks that they used, trying to figure out what playbooks they were using. Except I couldn't figure out who the heck Kid Flash was, because I knew that, I think Robin was doing the Legacy, and Aqualad was doing the Protege, and I was like, well, who's Kid Flash then? What could he possibly be using? Because you're not supposed to use the same playbooks twice, so what is he doing? He's doing the Beacon. Now, wait, wait. The Beacon says, playing a Beacon with real, useful, genuine superpowers totally undermines the point of that playbook. And then he, the guy who wrote the game, did a playbook with Kid Flash as the Beacon. And I've seen the playbook, and he basically just scribbles out over top of all the powers that are listed, abilities that are listed for the Beacon, and writes in Super Speed. So... Somehow it works. I guess it works. Maybe we can trust the author to know that it works. Because there's two things that the beacon is about. One is wondering if you're really supposed to be there. 
And Kid Flash is not as powerful as regular Flash. He's, he got his powers differently. They aren't quite as advanced. Certainly in season two, you see that. And the other part of the beacon is just really being into being a superhero, just being jazzed about being a superhero. And that is totally him. So you can make it work. You can make any kind of power set for the outsider work. We have an outsider who's a ghost, who's not an alien from some other world, but actually a ghost from a previous time who is now awake and alive in the modern day and finds that wonderful. But that's... The powers are just that they need to be weird and alien. Ghost powers are weird and alien. It works just fine. So when you're looking, this is my big thing, and I could probably have done this in a five-minute podcast, is when you're looking at the playbooks and trying to figure out what playbooks are going to work for your players, don't get hung up on the ability sets. They are probably, they're the cool thing, the thing that you suck it into first, but they are probably the least important part of the playbook except for maybe like what clothes you wear you know or whatever and honestly it's a teen drama what clothes you wear could be super important but the the abilities don't make that the make or break deal you can give a janus the green lantern abilities it'll work the bull works our bull is not strong he's not a uh super boy kind of thing he's an inventor his power is that he's a damn genius who can make a bunch of robots and that doesn't seem like a bull thing but he is for me the template of a bull because he's just so into his his loves and his rivals and his emotional attachments and he is a very straightforward person now he he thinks a lot and he he comes up with solutions and he can be smart but he is still very bull-like in his, his straightforward, this is the problem, and I am going to go and find this problem. And when we see his moment of truth, which I'm definitely looking forward to, we are going to see somebody who just goes, there's a point A, and there's a point Z, and I'm going to draw a straight line between those two, and God help anybody who's on that line. That's the bull. It doesn't matter whether or not they remind you of the Hulk, or Colossus, I guess, or, or whoever. So... Make sure that the concept of the character matches the playbook, not so much the powers, and don't sweat that. Obviously, if it, it helps, if it's in there, the legacy should feel like classic superheroes, I, I, I think. I think the whole point of a legacy is to have something that feels like a classic superhero trope, the kind of thing where you go, yeah, I recognize a version of that in every intellectual property that I've ever seen, the Batman trope and the Superman, the Flash and that kind of stuff. That's great do that but if somebody goes i want a legacy of ice powers talk to them work it out because if they've got a picture of this whole ice power family kind of thing then that's something that you can have some fun with if they got a they got a good family and there's going to be a lot of drama there that's what you want with the legacy that's what the legacy is about so all right that's all i've got and i'm going to wrap up here because i'm running out of my music bed to use so if you have any thoughts or anything just drop it in the comments send me an email hate mail on g plus whatever do it on g plus i can block you really easy if it's hate mail i'm kidding all right i'll talk to you guys later and enjoy session one